every week I try and get you out of here early, and then we just shoot the shit for like 20 minutes. <laughs> it can't be. I stopped. like feel so bad. I'm like, oh fuck, it's like 7:30. It's 10:30 for George. He's got like he's got to get up early. He doesn't start work at 11 like me. How's it going, guys? Welcome to episode 65 of Fear Frequency. I'm your host, Jimmy Champagne, and joining me today is George Fazard. Yeah, we did it without the script. So if you're new here, this is like. It's a weekly horror show where George and I sit down, we gather all the latest horror news, we give our opinions on it, we make a few jokes, we review a movie. It's a great time. And uh, we're supposed to post on Tuesdays, but that hasn't happened for a while because, I don't know, like we've been busy, and that's apparently when every screening is now on Tuesday, so <laughs> may- maybe we'll talk about like switching the day or something. Like I don't know. If, if you listen to the show regularly which there are a few of you, let us know what day you would like this podcast to be posted. <laughs> and I'll take like a poll and maybe we'll do something about it. The first news story, George, we have to talk about this week is that the Stranger Things 3 trailer dropped out of nowhere. And it's pretty fucking good. Yeah. Or at least I thought. What did you think? <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely really looking forward to it. Um, it had a lot of things I was hoping for. A few things I'm a little weary about, but I definitely think that if this trailer's any indication, season three is going to be pretty good. So it's been a, it's been a little while since season two came out. Uh, a full year and change. It's going to be like a year and a half. These kids have really grown up since then. But I really like that they're accounting for that with the time jump in the show. It's where they've had time to evolve into normal people. It looks like Eleven is going to be a character this time around and not just like <laughs> angry superhero. That'd be nice. Which I like. I think that was cool. Uh, again, it's shot really well. And... It's nice to see how the town of Hawkins has evolved with the 80s. I, I, don't, I don't know why. I remember when that first trailer came out and we knew it was going to be in the summer. We, I think either both of us or I know I was. I was like kind of apprehensive about that. But it's just like now I'm looking back. I'm like, I'm so stupid. Like the <laughs> summer and the 80s just go together. Right. You know, like, it just works. <laughs> yeah, there's so, definitely a lot of uh, 80s summer horror movies that they can draw from for inspiration or nods. They really need to get a chopping mall joke in this. Definitely one need a chopping mall. mall. Definitely a chopping mall. So the theme for this one, I think it's like obviously, or I don't know. So we know that the the mind flayer, right? The big monster from season two is watching them from the upside down, AKA the shadow realm. Right. The, the monster in this trailer does not look like it's from the upside down. So what I'm thinking is that guy's just chilling this season mm-hmm. and he'll be, he'll be the big bad for the ultimately for the rest of the show like season four maybe season five he'll come back but i think this season is taking its cues from stuff like the fly or the stuff where this this new company star court is going to be the bad guy yeah um i've seen a few people kind of say say things to that effect um we see in the trailer steve's getting injected with some kind of something and it seems to not be too comfortable so that could possibly be some kind of mutant uh, chemical or something that'll make him into a monster, possibly. I So, uh, I don't think they would show anything like that in the trailer. I think that's meant to, like, freak us out. My theory on that is that Billy is going to become a monster. Because, you know, you see him with that bite on his arm when he's mm-hmm. in the shower. Yeah. And I'm, ki- I'm kind of thinking that maybe Steve will get bit by whatever that is, or if it's even a bite type thing. And I feel like that might be the antidote he's getting at the very last second. Yeah, I mean, he does look kind of beat up, so it could have been after uh, some kind of scuffle with that. He gets scratched or bit or something, and that's the cure for it. I, I could see that as well. They just they have way too much mileage they could get out of that character, you know? And I'd pre- yeah. On, honestly, if you look at the actors and their personal lives, Joe Keery is a much safer bet than someone like Jonathan, <laughs> who yeah. keeps getting fucking arrested for doing coke. <laughs> So, if they're going to kill off any of the main characters, I would guess it would be him. But honestly, as mean-spirited as the show can be, you know, with with their deaths like Bob and everything or mm-hmm. Barb. Right. I just, I don't think, I don't think it's that mean-spirited. You know, like, I don't think it's trying to be a drama like The Walking Dead. Right, and especially after, or Game of Thrones. after last season when they really positioned Steve as, like, the de facto mom of all the kids. Where he's, like, their protector, and that's kind of, like been his new role on the show especially with dustin where they're like best friends and he kind of sherpas them through life it'd be yeah really really heartbreaking to see something like that end yeah i i think i watched i went back and i watched that thriller trailer 
for uh, season two, which ironically, I am pretty sure is taken off of Netflix's YouTube channel. (laughs) It's like you can't find it on there. I tried really hard to find it. And I think this trailer is a little bit better. The only thing that was weird about it to me is, A, that the monster at the end, the CGI is, like, once again fucking terrible. I don't know why yeah. they can't get that right. <laughs> and, B, the, like, the Bob O'Reilly, great great song choice, but it's, like, they line up the line out here in the fields with them being out in a big field. I was just like, <laughs> come on. Like, a little, little on the nose for you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, what the fuck? But... I don't know. I'm I'm really excited. And July 4th is right around the corner. Um what what did you think overall? Like are you excited? Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely excited for season 3. I like the first two seasons a lot. Um I think it's one of Netflix's better properties like in their definitely S tier of like properties that they are continually making. Um from this trailer we see that they're probably going to be tackling some more mature adult themes. We still have the Stephen Dustin relationship. There's a lot, of, a lot going for it for sure, and I think the summer setting is is cool and kind of a fresh take that we haven't seen from the show yet. So it'll be interesting to see what they kind of do with that. Right, and they're setting up a whole new romance angle between Steve and Maya Hawk, her character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the people who work at Scoops Ahoy. Um, I like that a whole lot. I just that character just has so much more room to grow that I feel like they won't get rid of him. And I really hope they don't. Like, I just, I don't feel like there's anything narratively to be served by getting rid of that, any of the main characters, really. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think they might introduce, like, another very likable side character that won't make it, but we'll, we'll see when season three comes out. Yeah, I, I'm. it looked like Max is becoming more of a character, too. She's, like, obviously Eleven's best friend. Yeah, and she's, like, part of the crew now. Like, she's constantly hanging out with everybody. Not that she wasn't at the end of season two but she's like very much in their group now right and just overall i don't know i'm really excited i think the mall is a great setting especially for an 80s show it's cool to see stores in there like orange julius and uh you know hot dog on a stick and everything like yeah it it captures that that vibe of the target food court (laughs) yeah you remember that like back in the day (laughs) it'll i'm sure we're gonna see a lot of those like neon scribbles on the wall and they'll have all that kind of stuff going, so it, it'll be good. It'll be very nostalgic for a time right. that we didn't and, live in. And if they are going with this, like, uh, chicken things up, not going to be necessarily from the upside-down vibe, I'm totally okay with that. I, I think you said we you wanted a break from that type of stuff after Season 2 aired. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I agree with that. I, I just think we've seen kind of enough of that where, like, the first two seasons play out generally the same plot-wise. Like, it ends with the big fight with people from the upside down so it'd be nice to get a little bit of breathing room from that and seeing some other event that happens in this town yeah i agree i i'm just really excited i'm excited to see how these characters are going to grow i hope the writing can keep up and I'm, I'm just glad that they went into this knowing they only wanted to do five seasons so we know we're getting a like a story arc that's planned right it's an not actual be like supernatural or something right it, it has a roadmap. they know where they're at in the overarching story so they they seem to know what they're doing and, and they have some some good uh hands on the ship yeah the one thing that i think they could have done in the trailer is you know at the beginning of the trailer when all the toys are moving mm-hmm. they could have made one of those toys the robot from chopping mall and that's the reference <laughs> out of the way you know <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that that would have been an easy one but i saw r2d2 there though it's like oh you got to get one of those in every season huh <laughs> <laughs> We get so, it. You like Star Wars. <laughs> With everything coming back from the 80s, the one thing that I don't think either of us ever really expected to go through, I'm pretty sure you can go back to an older episode and hear us say this is never going to happen. Uh, it turns out that Toxic Avenger is getting a reboot from Legendary <laughs> Pictures instead of Troma. You got Lloyd Kaufman producing, but he's not... Like, Troma is not making this movie for no budget. And the more interesting thing here is uh, the person who's directing and writing it is Macon Blair. If you don't know who he is, he drew, he acted in both of Jeremy Saunier's bigger movies, Blue Ruin and Green Room, and he also wrote Netflix's Hold, Hold the Dark, which was directed by Jeremy Saunier. And he also uh, wrote and directed I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore, which is a really good movie. So it's those are both like, those are all very rooted in the real world. The brutality in them is... <laughs> very realistic i'm just 
I think this was a great choice of a person to reboot Toxic Avenger. Yeah, it's just, it's still so weird to me because, I mean, this franchise, I mean, I think there's at least three of these, at least three Toxic Avenger movies. There's so many, dude. He shows up a bunch. I mean, they're definitely rooted in the, like, very trauma visual style where it's over-the-top gory, it's, like, very dumb practical effects, everything kind of looks like shit, everything is, like, played for laughs, there's a lot of, like, fart and diarrhea jokes. So it'll be weird to see how they transition that into a more serious property, because I don't, I, like, just can't visualize the two mixing at all. The one, the thing I'm thinking of is The Fly, with the 80s movie, right? Where, right. Because the story of the Toxic Avenger, for those of you who don't know, if you're a younger listener, it's basically this kid who's bullied a lot. He falls in a vat of toxic goo out of, like, a building or something, <laughs> and he turns into this giant disgusting mutant like superman yeah he's and, basically uh, um imagine any villain from the mighty Morphin power rangers and that's what he looks like right and there's a whole gag it's really offensive there's like a whole gag about um his girlfriend being a super hot 10 out of 10 lady but she's blind <laughs> <laughs> just shit like that so obviously this isn't going to take the same vibe as that i feel like it'll take more of a vibe like the fly uh, where that's a really campy, goofy story that they're adapting, but that movie has really good emotional pull into it, and Jeff Goldblum just sells the part really well. Yeah, so I guess that's the question, is who are they going to get to play Toxie? Ah, dude, I don't know. Because <laughs> like, really, it, the whole movie's going to hinge on if Toxie's good or not. So they have the whole thing... Where in Captain America, the first Avenger, they like CGI'd Chris Evans' head onto like a child body. Mm-hmm. Are they going to do that? Or are they going to have <laughs> two they, different people? Or they have Melvin be like the actor that they choose, but they just like unbeef him up and then they put him in the. Like, do you think it's going to be a suit or do you think it'll be CGI? Dude, I don't know. I bet it'll be a suit. If they want to do it right, it'll be a suit. I feel like it's going to be very serious. I don't think this is going to be a comedy. It's just looking at who's involved with it. It's like, nah, this is definitely going to be a departure. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that's just so weird to me. It's it's just, like I said, I can't wrap my head around Toxic Avenger being a serious character at all. But, um, I, I mean, Green Room is, I think, one of the better movies to come out in 2016? 2017? Yeah, 20, 2017. Whatever year it came out. Um and, and I think it would be interesting to, to see kind of a gritty reboot of Toxic Avenger. I just don't know how well it'll work. Like, I'm not against the idea. I just c- can't see it happening and, and being good. Yeah. It's different enough and weird enough that I want to see. Like, I don't think it'll be good. I just want to see what comes of it. <laughs> it's definitely, like, if you're going to take the property away from trauma, you can't try to recreate that comedy. You. That is like trauma's its completely own beast, and you can't replicate that in any way, shape, or form. So if you're taking one of yeah. the characters from there, you have to put your own spin on it. You have to completely change the character and put your own voice on it, or else it just won't work at all. <laughs> the next and really only big news story we have this week is that they—I guess—they're casting for season two of Castle Rock, and it kind of pains me that we're even talking about this show after how bad that first season burned us. But Lizzie, <laughs> this is really notable. So this is why we're talking about it. They're casting for season two. Lizzie Kaplan is playing Annie Wilkes. And it's like she's... All right, I'm going to redo this. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, so the, the only real big news story we could find this week is related to Castle Rock season two. And it's kind of noteworthy because it's bringing in another character from the books, which is kind of not what the first season was about. The first season was like, we're going to take the ideas and the themes and the world of Stephen King and we're going to make a new story. But season two, they learned that it didn't work in season one, so they cast uh, Lizzie Kaplan as a young Annie Wilkes in a misery-themed second season of Castle Rock. And they got Tim Tim Robbins. So that's a step in the right direction to me, I think. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I think the series has a lot of potential where, I mean, there's obviously so many Stephen King books to draw from in terms of making a story weaving in and out of his books and if you have the rights to the properties i don't know why you wouldn't use the characters i mean i guess that would hurt some people who are fans of the original material but 
I think if you have d- deeper, richer characters, why wouldn't you use those as opposed to trying to make up new ones and just nod to it being in the same world as the Stephen King books? Yeah, exactly. And the plot synopsis they've released so far is that in season two, a feud between warring clans comes to a boil when budding psychopath Annie Wilkes, uh, Stephen King's nurse from hell, gets waylaid in Castle Rock. So it seems she's she's being played by like a kid who's just going to show up, right? And I feel like she's going to kind of just orchestrate this little war that's happening, I guess. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, or, like, plant the seeds of her, like, insanity. Yeah. I wonder I wonder if they're just taking this character and the ideas behind her and introducing it instead of, like, going with the mythology that she will eventually <laughs> kidnap a writer of her favorite book and make him write her a new book, you know? I mean, I'd hope that they would have that... <laughs> at least incorporated or nodded to in some way. Yeah. I, I think it'd be kind of dumb to use the character and then not kind of insinuate how this would be the beginnings of some kind of psychopath. I really hope that they just go into this trying to make a good story after the first season, um, which had the atmosphere locked down. It was shot well. The Definitely. acting was good. Yeah. They had the like good people involved. They just didn't have a story. Yeah, story really was very abstract, kind of fell apart, um, and just, like, was not very interesting to follow. Yeah, like, everything happens in the second-to-last episode in the last episode. Right. Like, they front-load it with a bunch of kind of boring dialogue, and then they try to just shove it all in at the very end, which sometimes works, but most of the time is just, you know, it's smarter writing to just kind of build it up as you go, as opposed to trying to knock knock down all the dominoes in the last episode. Right, and it's it's just kind of weird because it's set in this one small main town, but it's mm-hmm. an anthology show, so they're going to either have to jump around every time frame or, like, you know, tell at least some sort of a con, con, a story with continuity. It's just weird. I, I think season two is, is going to make or break this show is what I'm saying. Like, it's either going to work or it's going to fail. Yeah, and, and, I mean, basically, this is the fork in the road, right? They've tested what what'll happen if they just use the setting and nod to like five Stephen King stories, but don't really use any of the characters. And then now this season will be if they use characters and try to build their own story around them, will that be better received? So it's like we tried one way, we'll try this way. If neither of those work, then there's no way the show has any hope at all. Right, and I think it was watched pretty like had pretty good numbers on Hulu for season one. It came out at a really good time too, uh, right before. I went to the East Coast. I went to Maine and everything. So that was it was cool. That's what kind of pushed me through the show. But I, I need more from season two is what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm I'm expecting or at least hoping for a, a writing bump for season two. Uh, but it's I, the year I, of I, Stephen King, man. <laughs> um, I like Lizzie Chaplin a lot, though. I think that she could be good as the character. It just, I don't know. I, that's not who I would pick for it. Like, I, not that I disagree with it, but I just wouldn't think of that casting. So yeah um, we'll, we'll see how, how it all plays out i don't know how i would feel playing a character who grows up to be played by kathy bates i mean it's a lot on your shoulders it's it's a big responsibility it is a big responsibility <laughs> yeah so I, mean, I think she won an academy award for that or something yeah she I mean, did she's a great yeah. actress <laughs> yeah so that, that's like a big big she's weight really on your good shoulders in, um, season two of american horror story she's like a resurrected like fucking uh slave times person really her whole arc is just basically she's the slave of the girl who plays precious okay and she's like now you mine (laughs) it's crazy dude it's fucking nuts but she's really good in that she's good in the show uh you should watch that season the third season actually (laughs) third season it's pretty funny it's like it's like dark harry potter in modern day it's like all witches and shit but like they resurrect this super racist lady and turn her into a slave it's pretty funny i liked it and she's pretty good in the roanoke season two but that i don't think that one's good well, uh, interesting news though we'll, we'll see how season two of castle rock ends up but yeah we'll see how that pans out but this, yeah. this is the main it might not be the make it or break it moment for the show but it's the make it or break it moment for me watching the show yeah is what is how i feel like, if this season is a stinker, I'm not going to watch unless I see a lot of buzz about the next season being something really special. 
Exactly. And speaking of things that I will go to the theater and see, no matter how good or bad the reviews are, the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood trailer dropped, for which is obviously Quentin Tarantino's ninth movie. It's uh the big difference here is that with all the Harvey Weinstein shit that went down, he didn't want to work with Miramax anymore, obviously. So this right. was through Sony Pictures. And I just hope that they're smart enough to not fill it with product placement and just throw money at him and let him do whatever he wants with it. <laughs> I mean, it's weird when you get someone like Tarantino, who is like a very established director. He's been making movies for years. And, I mean, people like him because they like his style. And I feel like Miramax basically just let him do whatever he wanted. Um, so I, you would hope that Sony would be smart enough to just follow that trend and say, look, everybody knows Quentin Tarantino, your household name. You know, we're just going to basically write, give you a blank check, fill it out with whatever you need, and we'll just let you make the movie that you want. Right. So what did you think of the trailer? This is kind of like your wheelhouse. You're you're into the, all the Manson stuff and everything. I thought it looks really cool. Like, um, it'll be interesting. What I'm really interested in is kind of like what um, Tarantino did in both Django Unchained and uh, Inglorious Bastards was kind of this retelling of history in a way where it'll be set in a certain time with kind of realistic characters from that era, but then it'll go very Tarantino where there's it's a lot of gore or the story just goes way crazy over the top in a direction you wouldn't expect and kind of rewrites history in this new, very strange, over-the-top way. And so that is kind of what I'm really looking forward to in this movie. We see Charles Manson is in the trailer, so how he's going to be incorporated into the story is what I'm very much interested in. So is Margot Robbie playing Sharon Tate? I yes. know she's kind of like the crux of the story, right? Like this is the, the retelling of the Sharon Tate story. Right, yeah. So it centers around her and she is playing Sharon Tate it came out okay so I like that it's kind of the one thing that's bothering me about it so far is that the posters they released are terrible <laughs> but the trailer was really good and it was kind of weird the, the the big movie theater the big dome that's the Arclight Hollywood and I didn't know that they built the Arclight around that dome I thought the like the whole building was there forever <laughs> and they just renovated it so it was weird to see Arclight Hollywood without the rest of the theater. <laughs> I mean, me. at least they're being historically accurate with uh, yeah. what it looked like architecturally. But it was, it's funny to see Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt, which two of the biggest actors in the world, and Brad Pitt's playing his stunt double. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think those are both very good actors, and to see... I, I just think that whatever they're going to be in this movie is going to be pretty damn good. Um, also, whoever they got to be the Bruce Lee impersonator is spot on. I mean, I couldn't, <laughs> yeah. at first I thought it was like stock footage of Bruce Lee before. <laughs> I mean, it looks, it looks just like him. So, and I, and I know Tarantino's a huge Kung Fu fan. So to see what Bruce Lee does in this movie too, is going to be something to behold. Yeah. Do you think it's just going to be that cutaway gag or do you think he's going to be like a main character? <laughs> I saw a comment on the video, I, I think on Reddit. Or someone was like, I hope Bruce Lee kills Charles Manson in this movie. <laughs> Which would be absolutely insane. <laughs> that would be fucking awesome. I just watched uh, Pulp Fiction over the weekend, okay? Because I was thinking about it. I was like, I want a good like summer L.A. movie to watch. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of Superbad. And I, so I, I watched Superbad right after. They're very similar movies. Like, they both have a very L.A. vibe to them. They're both this, like, grand adventure that's sort of told out of order, but also congruently. It's just funny. Like, it was weird watching those movies back-to-back. I don't know why anyone ever would, but if you had right. experienced <laughs> more that, similarity, you know I mean. More similarities than you would expect between those two. <laughs> yeah, Superbad totally holds up as well. It's, it's still, like, one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. And yeah. Pulp Fiction is still one of the best movies ever. It's just, it's so funny and, like, <laughs> awesome. Like, the, the whole basement gimp scene... Yeah. Can you imagine if that was in a movie these days? <laughs> that would be insane. I mean, <laughs> just the ben stuff Rames that's... is just so good. Yeah. All those amazing, like, long dialogue scenes with Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, it's like, that movie's just got it all. It's got so much going on. You know, when you see the payoff, uh, when you realize that when Vinny dies, that's the end of the movie, technically. Like, that's the end of the chronology. Right. It's, it's after Sam Jackson has left the life. <laughs> you know it's like ah divine intervention once again it's just so yeah. funny i like that shit that was a really good movie it still holds up uh i'm excited to see 
this new one, obviously. I, I never saw The Hateful Eight, though. So Hate- I need to do that. I, I have mixed feelings about Hateful Eight. Um, I, I think it definitely is too long. It's, I mean, That's that runtime has to be damn near three hours. and I think it's over three hours. I think originally in some theaters when it was playing, it showed with an intermission because it was so long. Yeah, uh, at the fucking, what are they called? Alamo Draft House. They did the intermission for that movie, and they had the longer cut. Yeah, like, I, I think that movie is definitely too long for its own good. I mean, there's definitely some interesting scenes in it, but as far as, like, kind of a cowboy time period piece, I, I think Django Unchained is just a far better movie. <laughs> did I see that with you? I think so. Yeah, yeah, we went, you came and visited me at college. I remember that. That was awesome. That yeah, movie's that, great. That's still one of my favorite Tarantino movies. Yeah, and then uh, we've been taking listen, listener comments and concerns and stuff, and Dean Domino said, holy shit, words can't fully describe how excited I am for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I mean, that pretty much sums it up right there. Yeah, <laughs> it looks it looks really good. I, I know some of his movies have been, you know, either like they're really good or, or they're just kind of blah. I know, like, there's a lot of mixed opinions on Inglorious Bastards and uh, Hateful Eight, so... It's cool to see that this one looks to be on the right track. Yeah. So before we talk about uh, us, we're going to talk about a couple games we've been playing. Uh, One of them is a game I've been playing. I've been playing Fallout 76 for a while. I keep going back to it. It's gotten a lot better since it came out. Um, I played it since launch, but I had to to dip out at launch. It was just (laughs) too too buggy. But as time went on, they really fixed it. it. They got it to a state pretty much December, January, where it was like in the state it should have launched in. And now they're finally starting to roll out content for it that I'm assuming was planned to come out a, a lot earlier. <laughs> yeah, most so, likely. <laughs> the first part is this. It's it's they, They've broken up all of the updates this year because it's a live service game. They've broken it up into three stages. But the first one's called Wild Appalachia. And it's, it's a big it, – it's a huge event. So – they're doing weekly updates, basically, where you have weekly events. They've added in new quests. They're adding an encrypted quest line where you're going to be able to find the Sheep Squatch. They've added in tons of new armor and just all this really cool stuff. And one of the coolest things they're adding in later that I liked is a, a craftable backpack that you can improve so it'll increase your carry weight, which is nice. you kind of get that from pocketed armor in Fallout, but armor can break in this game. And if it's mm-hmm. broken, it's useless. So it's nice to have something that you can wear on something your back. Something permanent, that, yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. But the first two pieces have dropped. And the first one was a quest line all about brewing and distilling. And it's far and away the best made quest in the entire game. <laughs> like, they, they really learned uh, yeah. what, what they needed to do to fix this shit. Like there's a, So you go, you find these posters all around for this frat house over at vault University who's getting evicted because they have like crazy parties. <laughs> and so you, you go to the, the, the um, frat house and you find the recipe for Nuka Shine, which is like Nuka-Cola right. or Moonshine. <laughs> and it sends you on this whole quest line. You basically make it and it added in a whole new crafting system where you can make beer, you can make whiskey, you can make all these different kinds of liquors and you can also make Nuka Shine. And when you make these drinks, they give you buffs or they can give you like nerfs. They can help you out. They can give you XP gains or whatever. But then they also have this added thing where if like I made a beer that gave me plus 10 charisma, you'll get a hangover after the effect wears off. And <laughs> oh. you might get like minus five charisma. So there's like give and take to everything. Yeah. So the quest line to get the recipe for Nuka Shine is great. They added in this character named Biv, who's the robot who gives you all of these quests. And he's a robot who can metabolize alcohol. So he's always drunk. (laughs) He's like this like mean little robot is just wasted. And you can you can do a quest for him every day where you can get a new recipe to learn how to brew a different alcohol, which will give you a different status effect. Interesting. So that that's all great. The second event, which is just a little bit worse for reasons I'll explain in a second, is for this festival that's real. It's called Foss, Fossnacht. Mm-hmm. And it's a festival that took place and still takes place in the town of Helvetia in West Virginia. So it started way back in 1869. And at the end of winter, the entire town would wear masks and parade around. And they would burn an effigy of an old man winter on top of a bonfire. And they made this into like an hour. It's like every hour this event happens in Helvetia in Fallout 76. <laughs> And 
you there's a legendary enemy encounter and you can earn these masks that are all really cool they're they go over your armor too so you can wear like an owl mask or an old man winter mask and all the, it's it's this crazy shit it's that one's cool it's just not a quest it's kind of like you know in destiny when you're doing a uh like a patrol so it's like a public event basically not a yeah it's like a it's like a beefed up public event so it's Mm -hmm. still fun because people are doing it uh but it it obviously gets old just after you keep doing it over and over. right if you're just kind of running it over and over again for loot it doesn't right the best gameplay loot you can also get some cool uh stuff for your camp like you can get furniture and stuff and it's all this is running till march 26th so after it's over these like items will be gone presumably until next year so it's it's just cool to see that they are finally they're sticking with it and they are delivering on their promise of this being a live service game and seeing Fallout work like this as a live <laughs> service game, it's good. And so we got a question from Childish Sinatra. He said, since it looks like it's shaping up well, do you do we think it's time for players to return to it? I so if you haven't played at all and you are like i need something that's really going to convince me to play it these two quests aren't going to do it you know like the actual Mm -hmm. core game is fun enough and if you're into the idea of exploring fallout 4 style and just building up your character i'd say yeah jump in but i I would have said you should have jumped in back in december or january but if you're like i need new content to convince me to play this game it's it's not it's not there yet but i think once they add in this new quest line with the sheep squatch or they add in the craftable backpack blah 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 like i think that's when you should jump in i think mm-hmm. it i think at worst you should wait a couple months and at best you should just try it out now that's that's where i'm at with it yeah um i know i jumped into this game like for a little bit um maybe a month or two ago and i got my character like kind of leveled like he's like maybe level five ish um and I haven't really gone back to it since, but the, these quest lines sound interesting. So if I'm strong enough to do it, I'd, I'd like to check out the the brewing one at you, least. You should jump in. You're you're definitely fine for the brewing one. That's another thing. They were smart about where they made the brewing one take place. It takes mm-hmm. place in a very low level area. Like Vault Tech University is one of the first areas you can find. Uh, so mm-hmm. you could you could definitely jump in. And even the fast knock thing, you could do that because so many people do it. You'll basically get carried by someone who's level 70. Yeah, so I can just rake up the loot and experience while everybody else does yeah. all the work for me. So that's, honestly, it's probably a good way to level up. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Gracie, you should definitely jump in. It's 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 a lot better than it was, I will say. It went from like a 6 to an 8 for me. Yeah. Or five to an, a 5 to an 8, I would say. Like, I, I hadn't played any of the at launch I only picked it up kind of recently with uh, from your recommendation, and what I played was really fun. Like it's very much if you like, if your favorite thing about Fallout is exploration, then that's all this game does is just exploration and building your character. So if that's what you like about the game, which I think that's probably what most people are into, um, I, I don't see a reason not to pick it up. Right, and they so they also announced the rest of the year the stuff they're doing with the game, and they are like ninety eight percent percent sure that i am they're gonna add npcs into the game because Mm -hmm. the last update they're doing is called the wastelanders for the end of the year in the fall they say it's the biggest update they've ever done for a game yeah so basically what they're (laughs) saying is the the wastelanders are going to invade the map and those are definitely going to be npcs because that's like a that's like a clan of people they're like enemies of fallout 4 Mm -hmm. yeah um i mean that'd be kind of cool to see how they play around with that and to get NPCs that I know a lot of people said they weren't going to play the game because there were no NPCs in it, even though the robots or the cryptids serve exactly the same purpose as an NPC. Right. And having robots like Biv, who are like, can get drunk and shit, that's a good middle ground. I think yeah. Biv is just as good as any NPC in Like, as long as it has some kind of personality, I, I don't see what the difference is. Yeah, me neither. And then the other game we've both been playing, but not together yet, we will, is uh, The Division 2. We both got it on PC. Uh, I'll let you handle this one. What do you think of it so far? Yeah, so I put like two and a half hours into it. Um, I've done a couple story missions. I'm like level four. Uh, I, I, I like it a lot. I, I think it's definitely a pretty big improvement over the first game in terms of like mechanics. Um, the menus kind of work all exactly the same. It's still a looter shooter where, you know, you pick up new gear, you equip it, you get new guns, you you know there's different gun types but the shooting definitely feels a lot better than it did in division one 
it was a lot easier to just jump into this game having played the division one but yeah dude the shooting like all the guns in the division one felt like bb guns yeah but this this time around they did they did a much better job and there's like a pretty good variety like like i said i've only been playing like two and a half hours but i've gotten uh light machine guns burst rifles normal rifles auto uh auto rifles pistols uzi like i've gotten a pretty big selection of guns to play around with so far and like one thing about the like games like this these looter shooters is like the daily events the quests like that like in in this game their projects um have been like really easy to complete even for low level players like really easy to navigate understand what you need to get Um, you can play single player totally fine. i played most of it single player oddly so far and it plays totally fine and when you need help people have been really cool about coming in and helping which is fun yeah um I have, like, no interest in the story at all. So far, the cutscenes I've watched so far have been not not very good. They haven't really wrote me in at all. Um, I don't even know what the story is, and I'm level 15. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's like, explore Washington, D.C. in a one-to-one scale recreation of it. I'm like, all right, that's, that's the story I need. Like, I'll like, make my own story. <laughs> that's definitely good enough for me. Like, it feels really good to play. Um, I, I, I think, like, some of the new mechanics they added are really cool. Like, um, the Confuse, where uh, you can be, like, kind of clouded and, and kind of messes up your control scheme a little bit so you can't select certain things is, like, annoying to play with, but an interesting concept. Um, I- I'm not sure if the, like, armor packs were in the original game or not. So, that was a smart change. You use it in the same way. It just healed you in the original game. But it's kind of, they're like, oh, it's kind of dumb for you to just be able to, like, randomly heal yourself on the battlefield. So... You, the armor the healing packs just recharge your armor in this one which mm-hmm. is i think a lot smarter and even the the elite enemies they would just be like big bullet sponges in the division one it would be like oh that's a fat guy so he'll take right. more bullets but this time around if there's an elite enemy like that they're wearing armor and you have to break it off of them so there's still bullet sponges but there's just nice little immersion changes in this one that i like yeah and you can actively see armor break off of enemies that you're shooting at which is kind of a cool um aesthetic uh, and, and like you were saying, I think it's really approachable to play single player. Like, I'm not a very high level, but I've done a few quests with, like, gold level enemies, which are, I, I assume, like, the highest tier stuff. And I haven't had any issue taking them out with a couple gadgets and, and an NPC. Like, it's it's not too hard to play single player, which there were definitely some huge difficulty spikes in Division 1 where if you didn't oh, have yeah. another person like, with even you... even with two people. Yeah, even with two people, it was like some... Me and you would get fucked all the time. Yeah, like, some bosses were just impossible. If you didn't have, like, a perfect plan... And, like, really good gear and a bunch of health packs. And, like, it was just, like, impossible. But I haven't run into anything that's that difficult yet. Um, And it just, it runs really well on PC. I mean, granted, I'm playing it with a 2080. But (laughs) it's running really well. But you're playing with a 1050. Like, what settings are you playing it on? um, You're on a 1050 Ti, right? Yeah, 1050 Ti on my laptop um, is all I've been playing it on so far. Um, I just thought it kind of auto-picked the settings. And it's, like, a mix of... Uh, low to medium at 1080p resolution and it's been running actually really smooth for me yeah i can run it on the laptop i'm playing on at 144 hertz maxed out 1080p which is pretty good <laughs> yeah um but it's so, it's cool so far e- even like the public event type stuff where um there'll be like oh shut down the propaganda area where it's like ways of enemies are still pretty fun because i feel like the level design is good in the open world sections and the AI is just so much better. Like, they react to being shot. They'll flank you. Yeah. They, you can't just sit and cover and just pea shoot. You know, you can't, like, pop out and shoot. You have to, like, be smart. And I think the abilities are really cool. I unlocked this grenade, the grenade at first, where if you use the grenade and then you mark a guy and it'll roll over to him and blow up. It's like a little grenade drone. I thought yeah. that ability was cool. Yeah. Um, I've been using mostly the turret and the drone. Um, oh, the turret's really good. Just, just because... Um, playing i figured like at least having one or both of those would be good when you're playing by yourself to kind of keep the heat off you a little bit um but also like one of the missions i did that i thought was pretty cool was the like capture the area type mission where they'll be yeah like, a and you always get shit at the end those yeah. are great yeah so the way it works is like it's like a area of the map that's controlled by some faction some enemy faction you go in you wipe everybody out and then you call in, like, with a flare gun, 
other settlers to come take it over and then you get like a safe house in that area a room with like five different loot boxes that have pretty good stuff in it and then like you can you just have that area of the map now and you can fast travel there those are all fast travel points which is great it's cool and i like kind of how they split up the content like the the areas seem kind of smaller and they're not so dense with stuff that you feel like you're you're going to be there for five hours just picking up all the um what are they called like tech packages or whatever oh, the sh- shade shade tech or whatever shade right tech. like you don't feel like yeah. you're gonna be there forever picking up all that stuff like it's so far it feels like all the areas are just bite-sized enough to where you can jump in for two hours get a lot done and, and pick it up the next day yeah and the, these looter shooters at the end of the day <laughs> they're like chat rooms with gameplay and basically i think this one this one would be pretty good like it, it's you have to be conscious when you play it like there's enough gameplay there to where you have to kind of be smart but you can also just chill out and play a fun shooter. Like you just run around the DC map and find guys to kill if you really want to. Like it's just uh, it just plays well enough and has like good enough map and HUD and tells you where to go to like you don't really need to concentrate very heavily on what you're doing. Like it all kind of plays the same, but it feels good enough to play where you're fine just kind of it's like eating a bag of potato chips. Like you can just keep playing yeah. and playing and playing. I'd really like to see um, the dark zone. There's the dark zone they completely changed this time. So, two there's three dark zones, and two of them it it levels out your um, or it evens out your level, like in Destiny mm-hmm. with this. Um, but the third one is just open cap. Interesting. And they added in regular PvP called conflict. So there's there's still just so much to dig into. Just content wise, this is the biggest looter shooter I've seen. And like just for the most fully featured at launch and functional all the dlc is going to be free they have a season pass but don't buy it because the only benefit you get is that you play the dlc a week early but it's all going to be free regardless yeah so and they already released the roadmap it's just they're doing it right yeah it's just really funny how something like this can come out like a week after anthem and just kind of highlight everything that's wrong with anthem in two (laughs) seconds yes like that, uh, Ubisoft is probably just like, fuck yeah. They, they, thanks, Bioware. Yeah. <laughs> and then I saw Bioware, they were like, well, we're not going to go on the subreddit and respond to people anymore because people are being mean to us. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, you fucking sold them half a game. Right. Like, people have a right to be pissed. I'm sorry. But, like, you gotta, that game failed to be on par with Destiny's, Destiny 1's vanilla launch. Yeah, which was, is not a high bar to pass. Yeah, it's like, what the hell's going on? But, uh, Division two, I think it's totally worth it. I don't know if it's worth sixty bucks because George and I both got it for free. But you know, I think it's. I think there's so much game there that if like you're the kind of person where sixty dollars is a lot for one game and you're just gonna play that for a few months, I, I don't know. I think that you really can't go wrong with this, especially yeah. if you have a friend to play it with. Yeah, I'd say definitely if you're just looking for like hours to sink into a game, I don't know how much better bang for your buck you get than this game. So before we get into our review of us, we also had two questions from listeners that you can ask if you want to in the Discord server. There's a link to it in every single one of my YouTube videos, so go check that out there. The first one is from Hill & Co. He's really active in our in our Discord. He asked, what do you guys think about Jordan Peele directing a Halloween movie since he stated he's a fan? Um, I'm fine with that. I think he could do a really good job after yeah. seeing us <laughs> after after get out i don't know if i would have been like get out was great right but right it's definitely not a horror movie in the truest sense of the word and it's not a slasher movie specifically so i would have been a little iffy but after mm-hmm. seeing us i'm like yeah t- totally i would be fine with that yeah um i think he's definitely proven himself that he knows how to make a great movie and i i think if he would be into it i don't know how big of a michael myers fan he is but i think if he said yeah i'll direct one i don't think there'd be any (laughs) any person that would say no to that um oh totally yeah i'd be like (laughs) all right yeah sweet yeah um i I think he's a great director though and i think it'd be awesome for him to do a halloween movie and then uh trista r82 who's ruben trista he's super active in the discord he's an awesome guy he uh he's not sure if he's asked before but do we think kane hodder could pull off michael myers i think he could pull it off i just don't think he's right for the role he's just like he's He's built like Jason. He's not built like Michael Myers. Yeah. Um, I, I think unless we want to go back to like the football player, Michael Myers of uh, Halloween four, I just, I don't know. His, his build is from five. <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't think that his build is like the right 
I, I prefer the, like, more normal human being, just, like, tall, kind of big guy, as opposed to, like, a bodybuilder. Yeah, and I'd, I'd like to see Friday the 13th come back and use him. Definitely. I think if they yeah. revive that series after the success of Halloween, they should definitely bring him back to be Jason. Yeah, so thanks for the questions, guys. So now we're going to get into us. Uh, I don't even know how to talk about this. Obviously, it's <laughs> written and directed by Jordan Peele. It's a straight-up horror movie. It stars Lupita Nyong'o as Adelaide and Red, Winston Duke as Gabe slash Abraham, Shahadi Wright-Joseph as Zora slash Umbre, Evan Alex as Jason slash Pluto, and Tim Heidecker and Elizabeth Moss are also in this movie. And it's fucking awesome. Like, it's just <laughs> so good. Yeah, um it's it's just really excellent like pretty much everything about it is top notch um the writing is really smart um it it doesn't kind of spoon feed you everything there's a lot of um things to dissect and kind of understand what their what their meaning is behind them what the symbolism is what the message of the movie is um there's a amazing cinematography like some of the best shots oh you'll yeah see. Did, you, did you see who who who's the cinematographer no so it's a guy named michael Jalak. it's either galakis or Jalakis, and he's a cinematographer he's one of my favorites he i think he might be my favorite right now he's the guy behind it follows split and glass so he did the cinematography on the, all those movies the, i mean it, it looks amazing some of the scenes are just like art like they could just you could take a screenshot of it and hang it on a wall it, it just the movie is beautiful um, and and even when you compare it with the fact that a lot of the scenes feature the same actor playing two characters and he manages to like that's confusing enough on its own just to get the actors in the same scene playing different characters who look completely different like the difference between Adelaide and Red isn't just a costume change it's an entire haircut change and she also like shaves her eyebrows like it's very different and he still manages to have some of the best cinematography he's ever done on top of that like it's insane. Yeah, like, that was one thing I thought might be really kind of weird and jarring. Like, I wasn't sure how it could be pulled off to have, like, the two versions of each actor. Um, But like you said, they're visually different. Like, must have been shot, like, not at the exact same time or with a lot of, like, prosthetics or extensions. Um, I mean, it's just, it's amazing how well it flows. It feels like they're playing in the scenes with like a double of themselves it's it's amazing how they're able to do that yeah especially pointing out the acting uh lupita nyong'o insane like just insanely good the differences between (laughs) adelaide and red they feel like different people playing these characters just like the movements the way she talks the way it's like you the way she's acting is different it's crazy yeah i mean she was an absolute uh, completely blew me away uh I was just like very, very impressed with with her, and I think if she doesn't get recognized by some kind of <laughs> academy or anything for this, I think that would be a crying shame. Dude, I'm so excited for the new Fangoria because she's on the cover, and there's, I think it's Paul Thomas Anderson is interviewing mm-hmm. Jordan Peele in the issue. I'm, I'm not, like, I was really excited for the Halloween issue, obviously, but at that point, I kind of knew everything there was to know about Halloween. Right. This is a movie where it's like I need like an issue of Fangoria to dig into. Like I'm so excited for that. Yeah, I saw I think Ryan Turk tweet about his copy the other day, and I've been checking my mailbox every day, hoping that hoping that showed up. <laughs> yeah, I'm really hoping it comes tomorrow before I go on vacation. But my favorite character in this movie, dude, was 100 percent uh, Gabe played Winston <laughs> Duke. Fucking going from Umbaku to this, he he killed it. He. he <laughs> He's so funny. Like the, yeah, movie, the he, movie is a lot funnier than Get Out, I think, and he carries every joke in pretty much the entire movie. I was surprised at like how well he was able to play the goofy dad character. Like a lot of <laughs> like he just is such a hilarious presence on the screen. Like every time you see him, you just want to root for him. Like he's just such a likable character. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, like the hide a key joke really got me. Yeah. <laughs> Or the boat and like how yeah, excited he's. <laughs> well, he's talking about like Tim Heidecker's car and uh, yeah, and she, he's like he's just doing that to fuck with me. And <laughs> Niago's just like yeah, well like obviously it worked. And he's just like 
damn it. That's so funny. Uh, he also did a really good job as Abraham. Again, felt like a different character. And watching him fight that character is like, yeah. how is this happening? <laughs> like, how did that work? This like bizarre. It's crazy. Like, like I said, I don't know how they're able to do some of the scenes without them actually having two of the same actor. Like, <laughs> they use, like, night and lighting really well, I guess, because there are scenes where I just could not tell that it wasn't the same person. And I think it's really cool that Jordan Peele wore every influence he had for this on his sleeve. Like, he talked about before it came out, he's like, yeah, the thing that inspired me to make this was the episode of The Twilight Zone called Mirror Image. And then it's like, oh, these tethered people are coming from underground to kill people on the surface, and there's a whole homeless allegory. That sounds a lot like Chud, but in the very first scene of the movie, the very first shot, there's a shelf with Chud on it. It's Mm -hmm. just like, that was awesome. I fucking love that. Also, like, like one of the early scenes, um, you see, like, a lagoon at night very much like jaws and um the kid uh jason is wearing a jaws t-shirt throughout the whole movie um i mean it's just like it's cool to see all these nods that are like very subtle but if you're a big horror fan or you know the influences it's just cool to like spot them throughout and this is like an 80s horror movie through and through where if you really dig into it and dissect it, I'm sure you can find some plot holes. Like we were talking about how how did the tethered get clothes underground that are exactly the same and stuff <laughs> like that. But that's not that's not what it's for. Like it's supposed to be it's it's not made for the people who just go to the movie theater and point out every like fucking plot hole, which is my least favorite word about movies these days. <laughs> it's not made for people like that. It's made for people who want to go to the theater Get a little scared, laugh a lot. Just like it's a great movie. It's just well put together. It's just the score too. Like, oh, oh yeah, my God. And, and like, like you're saying, it is a legitimate horror movie. I mean, there's there's scenes that have such insane tension. I was like, every muscle in my body was just flexed, like waiting for something to happen. <laughs> yeah, like, he's got pe- oh God, he's literal got, edge like, of my uh... seat, like waiting for something to happen the entire time, and I was glued to the screen, like couldn't even blink. It, it's there's... just. Uh, amazing there's no start pointless jump scares at all either which is great like all the jump scares make sense they're contextual like they would happen and there's even little things like uh when adelaide goes into the the house of mirrors the little haunted house it's like the shaman's quest but then in 2019 it's totally wiped clean of that because it's kind of racist you know it's not like it's <laughs> yeah the wizard indian thing. wizard quest or <laughs> yeah it's whatever. like wizard quest or yeah something. Just palette swap <laughs> and uh this movie is political, but it's definitely not, like, socially political. You know, it's like, I, I appreciated that more. It's not trying to generate a social change like Get Out kind of was. It, it the, the goal was to make a horror movie that you can pull some political feelings out of. Or not even political, just like... Uh, it just has know, a commentary. message. Yeah. Like, it, it has something to say more than just being a, a movie with the plot to tell. Like, there are... You know, you can read into it and, and understand what the, like, social implications of it are. But it's I'd not put it, very in your face about it. I'd put it, like, right on par with something like A Nightmare on Elm Street 2. You know, yeah. how, like, it's that whole movie's basically about him wrestling with whether or not he's gay. Mm-hmm. But, but you I can mean, watch that it a, and not even pay. <laughs> I mean, it's a little more in your face about it yeah. in Nightmare on Elm Street 2. But, uh, <laughs> but I think I, now, I, it's now the same it idea, yeah. I think when that movie came out, people were like didn't even know what was going on <laughs> i mean yeah that's that's definitely possible I, I i think we'll look back on us and see stuff as time goes on i feel like it really does warrant multiple viewings i am so excited to go see it again yeah um like like we said off the top i, I saw it tonight to the earliest showing i could just so i could you know talk about it on the podcast tonight but uh, i already had tickets for friday night so um, I, I'm really excited to kind of go see it again tomorrow because there's already scenes I want to see again to kind of pay closer attention to because I know how everything plays out. It's definitely warrants multiple viewings, and I'm, I'm probably going to pick this up day one on 4K Blu-ray. Yeah, you know, Get Out got a 4K Blu-ray, and I was like, why the fuck does this have a 4K Blu-ray? Like, it's it, it didn't make sense to me, and then I bought it on 4K Blu-ray, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I get it. the movie shot really well. Uh I don't know. I, I think, obviously, if you're a horror fan, you just you need to go see this. There's going to be a bunch of people out there like, ah, it wasn't that scary, and there's plot holes, 6 out of 10, because I think a lot of people are going into this wanting to hate it, but if, I, I think this is a movie made for real horror fans, like people who enjoyed movies in the 80s and want to see a return of that style of horror, like a straight-up monster movie. Yeah. I mean, I, I walked in with really high expectations, um, and they were not only met but exceeded, like... 
I, I can't recommend this movie enough. I think it definitely warrants a 5 out of 5, 10 out of 10, whatever your max rating is, I'd say yeah. it deserves that. You, usually when I go to see screenings a little early, like mo- 9 times out of 10, George will ask me what I think of it the next day, and I'll just be like, I'll give him a, a number rating, but I'll also talk about the movie and kind of like spoil just minor things that don't matter. With this one, George was like, Us was great, right? I just said 10 out of 10 because I didn't want to like spoil anything for it. And, and this movie's a little hard to talk about because basically it's all plot like everything that you can point out about it and like kind of explain is all plot related and and i don't want to spoil even one one scene in the movie i think it's really just something that you got to go in and experience from start to finish because it's really it's kind of what you make of it it's it's something to see for yourself yeah so again it's horror movies are hard to get right but this one gets it right in nearly every way there are minor things i could nitpick like the ending being just slightly confusing and just things being left a little too open but overall this this is great i cannot wait to see it again and yeah. own it and, and i'm definitely excited to see whatever jordan peele does in the future because <laughs> if if us and get out are the caliber movies that he's making it's just it's all up from here it's just cool to have a like an iconic monster that's gonna latch on you know like right i feel like this is how characters like freddy and jason and michael myers started where they they set had something to say about the world around them which kind of got forgotten as time went on but that's what made them catch on with people and then they'll be remembered so i think i think the tether definitely had that capacity specifically red yeah <laughs> like, i mean red is an excellent character i, I mean lupita nyango can't be talked up enough she was just completely unbelievable in the role so do you want to hear my my theory and how it connects to get out this is obviously going to be spoiler if you guys don't want to hear this. Uh, yeah, I definitely want to hear that. All right, so spoilers in three, two, one. All right, I'm spoiling the movie now. I hope you paused your shit. <laughs> that was a good enough time, right? Like, I talk now? Yeah. Okay, so you know how there's that part in the movie where they say that the tethered are the way they are because they're just a fragmented chunk of someone's soul? Right, like... They were able to copy the bodies, but not the soul. So they're like right. they're like two bodies that share the same soul, basically. Yeah. So this movie really does exist in a universe where God exists, because I looked up that Bible verse, Jeremiah eleven eleven. Mm-hmm. It's basically like there's going to be an uprising from under the earth, and God's going to turn his eye to it. But mm-hmm. obviously, because of the fact that if you clone the body, the soul is unique to the body, and it can't be like it can't it can't be copied. It can only be split. Right. 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 That implies that there is a God, which, which, like, makes or, or at the very least, like, a soul exists. So, I think that since, obviously, before 1986, they figured out how to do this cloning thing, right? Because mm-hmm. the people were already cloned by the time Hands Across America happened. Right. Um, I think the people who came up with these clones are the same people from Get Out. And the reason that they abandoned the tethered underground was because at, the, at some point in time... They figured out how to transfer the soul between bodies without that cloning makes, it. That makes a lot of sense. So they just abandoned them underground and moved right. on. Because, because they the realized... Time, the timeline's up. Right, because they realized that like the Tethered are basically not like good hosts or not good replacements for you. Like If I made a Tether myself, that wouldn't be like my consciousness living on. But if I can get a new body and switch into that, that's what I would prefer because I want my consciousness to live on. Yeah, so that that's that's what I think. That's how I think it connects. Because Jordan Peele, every time he's asked if it does connect, he says he's not going to confirm or deny it. So whenever anyone says that, it does connect, right? Like he and he said he he put some Easter eggs in Get Out that connected to us. He said that multiple times. So that's I'll have to what re-watch, I think. Watch uh, Get Out to see <laughs> see if I can spot anything then. Yeah. So that that's my that's my cool theory I came up with. No, uh, that's that's really smart. I've. I haven't had too much time to percolate on it, but I think that's very plausible. Yeah, after we got out, uh, my friend Josh, who I went with, he was like, we're going to Jack in the Box, and we're figuring out this ending. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, dude. So um, I also I did a spoiler review video, and I talked about that ending theory, but that was just a minute of it. So if you want to hear my like spoiler review, which I wrote out eloquently and didn't just like shoot the shit about it, go check that out. Um, and that's all. That's all I have to say on us. Yeah, um, go and see it as soon as you can. You got anything else, George? Bye. Bye.